You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Now everybody from the 313, put your motherfucking hands up and follow me. Everybody from the 313, put your motherfucking hands up. Look, look. Hello everybody, my name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you are listening to another fabulous episode of Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies, the ones you watched growing up, the ones you are nostalgic about, and we watch them objectively. We let you know, are these movies any good, or are you blinded by nostalgia? And this week we watched 2002's musical drama, 8 Mile. Find your voice, Zach. Yep, yep, wow. What what was the tagline? Uh, find your voice was oh, one of them. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> Eight Mile. Um, it's a. I, I, you know, I knew you were gonna say it was a musical drama. I don't think this song, this movie, constitutes as a musical. No, no, not I, at all. It really it's similar, similar to I think School of Rock, where there are a lot of songs in it and there are a lot of people singing in it, but it's not your typical musical. No, not at all. I could have sworn the entirety of Lose Yourself was in this movie besides the end credits. No, no, not at all. <laughs> it's, um, it's hardly in it. <laughs> yeah, there's a few little bars, and he seems to be trying to work out the lyrics, I guess, <laughs> which I forgot all about. These little like interludes of him just kind of you know developing raps. and, and like Because yeah. I'm expecting the entire rap to be there, but instead it's just like one line, and then it'll be like a good 30 seconds. Palms are sweaty. <laughs> Exactly. Mom spaghetti. It's great. Before we dive too deep into that, though, Brandon, I'm curious to know what you thought about it or, you know, your history of 8 Mile, because I don't really have much of it myself. I like I again, I think I saw it like way, 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 way back or even just like half of it or something like I. this felt like a completely brand new watch to me. It practically felt fresh to me. Oh, OK. Yeah. See, I've seen this probably about maybe five or 10 years ago. And before that, I had seen it a bunch when probably the year it came out, maybe the year after, because 2002 was, of course, the year that I, I believe the Eminem show came out there or right right around there. And so sure. that was literally the first time I had heard him. I didn't listen to his previous, uh, like, I think, solo record or whatever. Mm-hmm. In 2002, I was 11 years old, so I was just getting into really experiencing music that I probably shouldn't have been listening to. And I specifically remember going on a camping trip with my family, listening to the Eminem show on a portable CD player while everyone else slept. (laughs) And I remember turning it down so low because the lyrics were just so in some, in some songs straight up disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) Things that if my mother heard me listening to would have been so fucking pissed. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, Eminem was not definitely for parents of young children at the time I'm, I'm also curious because we talk about the history of this movie but i mean i noticed that you talked mostly about your history history with eminem which i feel like is where a lot of people probably get their nostalgia for this movie not necessarily for the movie directly but for eminem and slim shady Yes, I can agree. I think that this was, I mean, obviously tied right into his star rising. And this was one of those rare occurrences where a 
a famous musician takes the helm of a movie. They've never acted before. This is like their first performance. And sometimes that really works in their favor. And most often I feel like it's just awkward to watch. Most of these movies I don't typically tend to like. I'll, you know what? I'll get this right out of the way. Kind of mind blown by Eminem's performance in this. <laughs> yeah, man. I got to say, he is not that bad at all. No, in he's, fact, he's... I would go as far as saying he is good. He's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's very weird. I, I, I am very curious. Brandon, was Eminem your first like favorite rapper, <laughs> or was he like I, was he like he, was he one of your like early exposures to the genre? Yes, for sure. Because again, at eleven years old, I probably couldn't name another rapper at the time. I know that at that time, that was when I was getting into a lot of the popular uh, m- music of today, like the hip hop and stuff, pop pop music. You know, I was constantly watching fucking VH1 and MTV, just the music videos and jump jump start their music yeah. video countdowns on the weekends. But 8 Mile, when I remember seeing the previews for, it was genuinely, I think, right around that t- same exact time I had just listened to the Eminem show. So I was getting into him, getting into the music. And of course, I couldn't see this in theaters, but it was one that when my dad picked up on DVD, I did watch. And at the time, I think it was me and maybe my sister who was also kind of into Eminem. We really liked it. My dad, I remember not enjoying this film (laughs) and then really not going back to this until I think it was parodied quite heavily in Scary Movie 3. And then for whatever reason, after that, I feel like I went back to the movie even more. And then for a good four or five years, I watched it a bunch. And yeah, I haven't seen it in my adult life many times, but I do always kind of had I've had that nostalgia of not only discovering Eight Mile but really getting into the rap genre itself through Eminem, which is a very white and unfortunate thing of me to say. <laughs> yeah, it it is. Yeah. Um, I I opposite end of the spectrum. I'd say my early uh, my early rap exposure was actually to N.W.A. Yes, which yes. is which is very. I, I like I said opposite end of the spectrum to Eminem so like when Boys in the Hood came out I was way more excited than anything that I ever would have been excited about with Eminem but but um I I will say you know obviously I don't think you could grow up you know when we were growing up and not have had at least five Eminem songs like jammed into your brain yeah I mean I I liked Eminem growing up I'm not gonna get into the debate of is he a good rapper on this show? I think he is a good rapper. Is he like one of the best? I, I'm i not going to get into that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it was undeniable, especially when this movie came out, how popular he was and how catchy his songs were. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, we are not a music podcast. Uh, so, no. And while a fan of, of Eminem back in the day, I really only know about his past and upbringing through, you know, the lyrics of the songs, no matter how true or false that may be. So I don't necessarily know how true this film is i do know there are sprinkled moments of autobiographical or whatnot moments from his life i think he is from detroit but i just don't know yes i just don't know how much of the the of eight mile is actually pulled from his life i would imagine it has some sort of degree i i i will say this i was not looking forward to this in terms of i don't have sympathy for um white rappers who struggle because like oh well you know it's tough out there for a white guy like no it's not so i and i was anticipating that being the case in this movie i was pleasantly surprised it's like it's brought up a few times but it's not like at all the main focus of the struggle in this movie so i you know i will say pleasantly surprised about that and you did mention uh, boys in the hood and it's funny that this movie was also kind of what triggered my interest in checking out a lot of those movies because i think 
the real only like life in the hood movie I had seen prior to Eight Mile was Friday, I think, with Ice Cube. Oh, and really? then after this, that's when I really got into stuff like, yeah, Boys in the Hood and Menace to Society and Juice. And it was just, again, you're introduced to a slice of life I would have never seen. And, you know, it's just so divorced from me. Here, Detroit, 1995, which is where the city takes place, divided by Eight Mile, which is this highway between the predominantly black city of Detroit and the largely white suburbs uh, to the north where I think Eminem grew up. As a film debut, because this is his first performance, his only performance really, I guess after this, uh, he said he'd never act again <laughs> on the set, saying it was just a very demanding job. Also, the fact that he's in every single scene of this movie. Every single scene. Yeah, literally every scene. He did end up cameoing, though, in uh, Funny People and <laughs> The Interview, I believe, are the only other two performances he's been on screen yeah. before. The Interview probably, his cameo in The Interview, probably the only part of The Interview I actually like. <laughs> and it's one in Funny People, maybe the fun, the best part of the whole movie when he's like talking to Ray Romano, who the fuck is this guy? And he's like, <laughs> yeah. everybody loves Ray. You want to fuck me, Ray? <laughs> across this crowded restaurant. It's, it's really- so funny. It, it's almost too bad that he doesn't want to do more acting because I think just his persona, like him as himself, is funny. Yes, yeah, I, I will. And it, it's glad, I'm happy to see that he can at least understand and um, kind of take the piss out of himself or anyway. Yeah. Now, anyway. Sure. I think yeah. had you asked him to do this back then, he would have not agreed. No, if you had asked Slim Shady to do it, I don't know if he would have. No. So this film, I think largely why it works, though, comes down to its direction. It's by Oscar winner Curtis Hansen who sadly passed away in 2016. He also directed Sweet Kill, The Little Dragons, Losing It, The Bedroom Window, Bad Influence, The Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The River Wild. His most popular and beloved film, of course, is uh, L.A. Confidential. He also did Wonder Boys, In Her Shoes, Lucky You, and ended his career with Chasing Mavericks, the uh, Gerard Butler surfing movie that I did not see. Whoa. Little Dragons, though. Hello. Yeah, yeah, what a varied career. Um... So it was pretty largely well-received by critics. 8 Mile has a 7.1 on IMDb, a certified fresh 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. However, a 54% audience score, I did note there. Uh, the critics' consensus reads, even though the story is overly familiar, there's enough here for an engaging ride. <laughs> it uh, cost $41 million to make. It earned $116 million in the U.S. and $242 million worldwide. It actually earned... 51 million its opening weekend, which was the second highest grossing opening ever for an R-rated movie at the time, beaten only by Hannibal uh, in 2001, the year prior. It placed 23rd on the domestic box office charts that year. Now, in terms of movies starring singers or musicians in a lead role for 2002, it was beaten by previous episode Austin Powers and Goldmember with Beyonce, of no. course. Yep. Now, if of you want to so. count Will Smith, there was also Men in Black too, but... It did beat J-Lo in both Made in Manhattan and Enough, as well as Ice Cube in Barbershop, Friday, After Next, and All About the Benjamins. He had three movies that year. Uh, as well as Lil Bow Wow in Like Mike, Mandy Moore in A Walk to Remember, and Britney Spears in Crossroads. For the record, we're not counting Men in Black 2. <laughs> All right, cool. Yeah, I'll agree. I'll allow it, yeah. Okay, thank you. Now, as previously mentioned, I said I, I did see this on DVD. Uh, funny enough, the 8 Mile DVD, which was released in March of, of 2003, it generated $75 million in sales and rentals in its first week, making it the biggest DVD debut ever for an R-rated movie and putting it on the all-time top 10 for first-week home video sales for a movie. I mean, 
again, don't underestimate the power of Eminem just kind of blowing up at that point. I would imagine that so many people were like, I got to go get a mile. Yeah. And that's the height of DVD popularity. That's when you're seeing that like, you wouldn't steal a car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that commercial is everywhere. And the menu probably had some sort of interactive game. Oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Flashes and shit. Yeah, I'm sure it was just absolute nonsense. Yeah. I can't. Oh, my God. I missed that. No, I don't. <laughs> As we had mentioned, the film did receive pretty, pretty positive reviews. It even made Time Magazine and Rolling Stone's Best of the Year lists. And it did famously win, of course, the Oscar for Best Original Song, Lose Yourself which uh, made it the first hip-hop song, rap song, to win the award. I think it's only been done twice since. Um, it's Hard Out Here for a Pimp, one for Hustle and Flow, 3-6 Mafia, and then Common, one for Glory, I think, in that movie Selma. Oh, yeah. Eminem famously was not present at the ceremony. <laughs> However, 17 years later, I don't know if you remember this, in 2020, he did a, a, a bizarre kind of last-minute uh, surprise appearance at the Academy Awards to perform the song. Remember, it kind of oh, came yeah. out of nowhere. I was I like, do. wait, what? what? And there was all those awkward gifts of people, like, like, like you know, bopping in the audience and, like, moving yeah. around, grooving was to it, the music. Was it, like... At the anniversary of the movie? Was that why he did it? I can't remember. No, no, it wasn't. Because that's I remember people saying, like, it's not even the anniversary. It would make sense maybe 20 years later, but it's not. It was 2020, and the movie he just, came out in 2002. He just showed up to the Oscars and did lose <laughs> yourself? I don't know why they pulled that or why it happened, but I do remember just being like, wait, what? Right. That's so weird. I, uh. I do remember that, and it's... <laughs> And I was so taken aback by it. <laughs> I can't remember if there were other like f- former nominee or winner songs that had performed there because typically it's always just the, the songs that are nominated. But I feel right. like maybe they just had a shitty crop and they were like, we got to spice this up. Let's get Eminem. Let's get Eminem to do a movie that he couldn't perform. <laughs> Won the Oscar. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe he didn't show up to his um, own Oscar. I mean, like I can, but yeah. I- According to him, I don't know if I don't think he actually believed he would win or that was the story. Again, I mean, you should probably still go, but uh, a very Eminem move. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. To not go against it is a very Eminem move. I mean, Trey Parker and Matt Stone showed up to theirs. They were on acid (laughs) and wearing dresses, but they showed up (laughs) and did not win the Oscars and did not win. They lost to Phil Collins. Fucking Phil Collins. Oh, that Tarzan song, right? Yeah, yeah fuck you'll movie. be in my heart. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll, fuck we'll get movie. to it eventually. We'll get to I it. I don't eventually. want to. I know. Uh, I know. God. Okay. So this film's accompanying soundtrack was also a commercial success, being certified quadruple platinum. Uh, Lose yourself has been named. I mean, on some of the best songs, like the 500 best songs ever list from Rolling Stones and shit. But Quentin Tarantino, Alan Parker, Danny Boyle, and Stephen Daldry were all considered to direct. Reportedly, Tarantino actually really wanted to, but did decline as he was in the middle of production for Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. Okay. <laughs> Could you imagine Quentin Tarantino's 8 Mile? I, A lot more use of I the N-word. I can't. Yeah, I can't even. <laughs> the answer is no. I, I can't imagine Quentin Tarantino. That's, that would be so fucking insane and bizarre, and I want to see it. This was, of course, the another film debut, uh, Falcon, Anthony Mackie. Uh, his first yeah. film per, uh, performance. Pretty nice to see him, uh, baby-faced. We get another person in here that I don't want to spoil right now because when we get to him, I let out an audible guffaw. His, his. Oh, his, I know who it is. <laughs> of course, I don't. His, I know who it is. <laughs> how he makes his entrance to the film is one of the best film entrances I've seen in many, many years. I loved it. Uh, I loved it to pieces. But. <laughs> 
the last my, bit of trivia my here. My favorite actor and yours. <laughs> the last bit of trivia here is uh, Eight Mile was originally considered to have an unofficial follow-up movie titled Southpaw, in 20, which was going to have Eminem reprise his role, who is now a uh, down-on-his-luck, lightweight, left-handed boxer trying what? to regain custody of his daughter. The script eventually evolved that idea was scrapped and then the movie was eventually made with jake gyllenhaal in 2015 and eminem i guess produced the soundtrack but yeah that movie was supposed to be an eminem follow-up to eight mile i was gonna say i remember a movie called southpaw but like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that movie that was supposed to be a sequel to eight mile rabbit just suddenly becomes a boxer jesus Christ. That would have hurt. What were they? <laughs> yeah, that would have thinking. hurt this movie in retrospect. I feel. Oh, so much. What were they fucking thinking? <laughs> That's insane. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ. I'm like upset about that. This might affect my overall rating of the of Eight Mile. Yeah, that they were like, let's follow it up, but this time instead of a rapper, he's a boxer. I don't know Jesus. if he would have still gone by B Rabbit if he would truly be the same character, but they did. This was going to be his unofficial follow up movie. I don't know. Set in the same, you know, world. I, I, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're real puzzled over this, man. This is, yeah, this has I, changed the course yeah, of I'm your ups- day. I am, yeah, it really has. I'm several layers of upset right now. And uh, before we get in, it was rated R by the MPAA for strong language, sexuality, some violence, and drug use. So, the four quadrants. Hooray! All right, man. Are you ready to do this? Yeah. 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 Oof. You look a little nervous, almost as nervous as our lead character here at the start of the film. <laughs> His palms are sweaty. Yeah, some would say that uh, Jimmy B. Rabbit Smith is um, a bit nervous about his upcoming rap battle. He's practicing his sort of stance in the in the mirror of this bathroom, uh, the local venue, the shelter, which is where all these rap battles uh, happen. He's listening to some Moob Deep. I did like the soundtrack. Actually, the soundtrack genuine like the songs is, they use throughout. Yeah, amazing. pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really really Shook good. Shook ones part two. Yeah, but yeah, he pukes in the toilet. So not on his sweater, but it is mom's spaghetti. But he before he does hit the stage, he meets uh, some of his friends outside while changing his shirt. There's Mackay Pfeiffer as a uh, future, who is Jimmy's you know closest friend. He also hosts the rap battles. Big fan of Anthony Anderson's performance or portrayal of this character in Scary Movie Three. <laughs> I every time I heard Future though, I kept thinking of like the real life rapper Future. Oh yes, of course. Yeah, I think now in retrospect, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, we've also got D'Angelo Wilson as DJ Is. We've got Omar Benson Miller as Soul George, who is is his brother. And then really, the, one of the standouts here is, is Evan Jones as Cheddar Bob. And I say standout because I don't know, and I'm trying to be sensitive here, I don't know if there's something wrong mentally with Cheddar Bob. Or if he's just one of those idiot characters who just is constantly making the stupidest decisions. I think he's... so. I mean, you see Cheddar Bob's house at one point and where he like lived and grew up. And I think, honestly, Cheddar Bob and they they kind of like maybe push this in that direction without like outright saying it. But Cheddar Bob looks like the kid who grew up like relatively well off or like, you know, like maybe in a better situation. But he hangs out with the guys that like that didn't. So he's just not as well versed in like the streets as the rest of the gang is but like yeah he's a bumbling white idiot in this movie yes and hilariously enough it's funny that 
Eminem would go on to cameo with Seth Rogen because Rogen and Jason Siegel actually had this radio interview or something where they talk about they, they went in to read for the part of Cheddar Bob, I guess. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and I guess eventually they just kept like fuck because they thought the name Cheddar Bob was hilarious, and so eventually like laughed their way out of the audition by like eventually just stopping halfway through, like we're not getting this, are we? We need to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, but yeah, they're all very encouraging to get Jimmy to realize, you know, his full potential as a rapper. They're telling him get on stage, you'll be able to do it. So these rap battles. Again, it's sort of just like a, a, a platform with surrounded by a sea of people, all of them chanting and shit. And then, yeah, it's just freestyle rap against, you know, two different performers. So when, you know, Jimmy goes up, unfortunately, he freezes. It's a very tough scene to watch. He just chokes, uh, leaves the stage pretty humiliated and uh, heads on home with a trash bag full of clothes over his shoulder. Mm hmm. Because he's homeless, because he's broken up with his girlfriend. That's right. Yes. Jimmy like, left. Yeah. And left her the car because she's claiming to be pregnant. That's right. Yep. Yep. This irritates me, this this whole thing, because it turns out later on we find out that she's actually not pregnant, but he never gets his car back. He never gets his car back. It's like a, it's like a huge thing that like his like he doesn't have his car. It's a huge plot of this movie. And it's like, well, you found out your ex-girlfriend wasn't pregnant. Go get your car back. Yeah. Because as I said, when he's heading home, home now will be the trailer park where his mom lives because he's got to live back at home with his mom so he can save up some money and uh, get a new place. Janine, of course, we will meet her later on. She's played by, I think, stock ex-girlfriend character, uh, actor Taryn Manning. Mm -hmm. But when he opens the door to the trailer, I laughed out loud when we, you can hear sex sounds. He comes in, his mom, played by Kim Basinger, is like, facing the wall on to riding some guy. You can't see the actor. He's obscured by her until his head pops out. It's like, what? <laughs> and there is the face of the renowned actor, Michael Shannon. Oh my God. So excited. I mean, day turned around when I yeah. was like, oh my God. Yep. Oh, Michael Shannon's in this movie. Oh my. And yeah, what an entrance. What a first appearance. <laughs> popping his head around just oh my god could you imagine michael shannon having sex with your mom why would you even ask that what do you exactly thinking? no one wants to ask that no one wants to think that no one wants to. that is honestly one of the most horrendous things i could possibly imagine michael shannon being your stepdad my mother listens to this on occasion by the way so does she like michael shannon she doesn't like you now <laughs> i'm very sorry Either way, Michael Shan. Oh gosh, that is that is a nightmare, a living nightmare. Yeah. Also, one thing I couldn't get, like I couldn't understand in this was that both Michael Shannon and Kim Basinger are doing Southern accents. They're in Michigan. Yeah, I don't know if they're if it's if it's hinted at at least that maybe Kim. It seems like they've lived here forever. You know what I mean? But. I, but it is a peculiar yeah. decision that definitely Basinger's doing a Southern. And I, I didn't know, I didn't catch Michael Shannon doing one. I just thought he was just doing classic Michael Shannon. <laughs> Maybe he was just doing Michael Shannon and it just came off that way because he was listening to Sweet Home Alabama at one point. That's but true. Like, yep. Oh boy. Yeah, he plays Greg, who is uh, Kim Basinger. She's Stephanie's uh, abusive live-in boyfriend. 
Also living in this very small cramped trailer is uh, Eminem's screaming little sister, Lily, who is I felt terrible for this entire time. I think this is this is kind of like an anagram for his daughter, Haley, who's always mentioned in his song. She looks a lot like what I remember, I think, seeing pictures of what Haley looked like. Yeah, too. So. I actually I actually had to look up and see if that was her. It's not. But yeah, he just has, uh, gosh, a uh, real shit go of it you know he's got to work at the new detroit stamping which is this car factory essentially where he presses (laughs) presses buttons that go up and down which i'm assuming that job's got to be automated by now right oh yeah i'm surprised it wasn't automated in that movie that's because that's the whole reason that detroit is the way it is but he's desperate for money and he needs more money so he's actually asking his boss for extra shifts but his supervisor's pretty blunt about not wanting to give him because he's always late you're late every day you're late today because his car broke down (laughs) Or the, or the car that his mom gave him, right? Yeah. Yeah, the car that his mom gave him because, you know, his, he filled his mom in on everything. And she's like, happy birthday. Here's a car that doesn't work. <laughs> we meet uh, Wink, who's played by Eugene Bird. He's a radio DJ with ties to this record label promoter who keeps promising him some studio time and whatnot. It's kind of a... I tried to grasp some of the relationships between the characters because they would turn on each other so quickly and then turn back into friends that I couldn't quite understand if these people had known each other forever, if there was stuff that there was like bad blood that we didn't know about between certain characters prior, because it seems like everyone is really pissed at Wink, even though Wink genuinely seems to be trying to help Jimmy. But then he's also doing all this shit behind the back because he's hanging out with their rivals, the leaders of the free world. Yeah, it's pretty clear that Wink is full of it. I yeah, think. an opportunity. And Future alludes to this at some point in the movie, too, when he's just talking about like all these opportunities that Wink seemingly has or like brought up or all these connections that he has, and he, it's none of them turn out to be true. That's when we get the uh, You Live at Home in a Trailer, a little Sweet Home Alabama riff with him in Future. As they're uh, fixing up the car, they get it done, and... You know, there's like a moment of celebration, like we're out, it's a Saturday night, we've got a fucking working car, what do we do? Let's just go drive around. They end up, unfortunately, getting into a bit of a tussle with, yeah, Jimmy. So Jimmy and his friends are part of their, like, rap group is the 313, which is representative, of course, I think of the area code of Detroit or where they're from. Free world. Yeah, then there's the the rivals, the rap group known as leaders of the free world, and so... You know, there's this scene where the the crew's out riding around shooting cop cars with paintball guns and shit. I did love, I kept thinking of the Kevin Hart in the back of the movie in Scary Movie 3 where he's got like the paintbrush and he's just painting people with the, or like yeah. throwing full cans of paint out the window. Yeah. But here, uh, they do end up getting into a tussle because they're in some sort of parking garage and Cheddar Bob says, fuck the free world, I guess. Because again, he just says the word, the stupid, the most stupid things just to get attention. Yeah. But it starts a fight. After, uh, you know, they're taunting Jimmy and whatnot for choking the other night. Anthony Mackie, who plays kind of their leader, Papa Doc, you know, Falcon is throwing some F slurs here and there. I will say this, this, uh, this film, while I will say is trying to go for the authentic language of the time, which did exist. I remember living in 2002. It is unfortunate watching it now because it's just a lot of homophobic and, uh, you know, racial, racial slurs throughout. Yeah. And I mean, comes with the time yeah probably still yeah and it well and it probably comes with the territory literally and uh, we do formally meet alex uh the film's love interest played by britney murphy uh i do miss britney murphy the way she's introduced at first i guess she comes to his work um he flips her off accidentally 
because uh, she's looking for her brother or whatnot. Some miscommunication. Then she does meet him in this uh, parking garage area thing. She wants to be a model in New York. That classic story. I'm sure it'll all work out well. Mm-hmm. So th- I clearly can tell they're trying to really paint a picture of this this city, this area, which I did get a nice sense of place. Like there's just shots of when he's riding on the bus, just shots of like the decrepit buildings, everything that's falling apart all around him. It's such a good snapshot of of the area and of the the culture and of really the problems that are going on in that city. And they also keep sprinkling in all these uh, little side stories to give more color, I guess, to the community. They're, they've been talking about how there's this poor little girl who was killed or, or, or raped by some crackhead, I guess, and the crackhead's been caught. It's, it's just a story that's been recently in the news. Yeah. And so they decide to burn the house down in which that took place. Um, and so, yeah, there's just kind of a bonding moment between him and Alex there. Uh, but the next morning is when Jimmy's mom finds out that they're going to be evicted. She's three months behind on the rent. They've got 30 days to get the money or they're out. And she doesn't seem to be employed. Am I correct? Like, I don't know. She's not. Yeah. And so it's hard. He to... tells he even tells her, like, she needs to get a job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's hard to feel complete sympathy for her because you know that she is doing a lot of this situation is because of her her decisions like she's picked a very poor like boyfriend she doesn't work she's not a good mother to to lily and so but you can tell she is trying to be or she is a maybe a good person deep down i don't know i don't necessarily know how i feel all the way through about this character I mean, i'm very back and forth on it between yes between feeling the sympathy and not um a lot of it leans not because it does seem like she's, you know, she's an alcoholic. She's not really putting herself in a situation to turn things around because she won't get a job. She keeps going to bingo nights. Um, and yep. she's reliant on her boyfriend, who's supposedly going to be getting, like, a big, like, settlement check soon. So that's what she's waiting on, but it's still just, like, you know, you you have to take the future into your own hands at some point. So I have a hard time feeling sympathetic for this character. Yeah. And I don't know if, you know, Eminem does entirely either. Anyone who's listened to any Eminem songs will know how many songs he has about his, you know, pure hatred of his mother or whatnot. It seems like in his yeah. later years, he's come to forgive her of sorts, but they do at least, you know, I guess give her some some humanity and a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel towards the end of the movie anyway. When, the, when they are out driving one day, Jimmy does spot Wink with the leaders of the free world. This is after their sort of altercation. So he pulls over on a parking lot. And I was very confused as why this happened so quickly. Because, yeah, they had that tussle earlier. But then uh, I think someone, was it Cheddar Bob pulled out the gun, right? Or someone pulled out a gun. Yeah, Cheddar, Cheddar Bob pulls out but, a gun. But prior, I don't know why. They're driving around. They see him. I guess he's pissed because he sees Wink with these guys. But is it enough to really pull over and just start a fucking all-out brawl with like eight on eight in a parking lot? No, it's not. I I guess it's all just image and, you know, your your uh, reputation and, and maybe wanting to build that back up again after choking. But it seems, it just seemed excessive. Like, why is he doing this? Yeah, I, I didn't get it but all the friends are like all right well we got to fight too so there's this fight some of it is actually very funny and kind of clumsily uh staged it felt like 
because uh, yeah. but or the sound effects don't seem as loud as they would be today, and so some of it just seems a bit silly. It's it's fine. There's also there's also a lot of like weird like flips. Like there's like actual fight sequences in it. It's it's very <laughs> that's weird. true. Yeah, they're doing like fucking wrestling moves where they're flipping people over their back and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it ends, of course, with Cheddar Bob pulling out the gun. He fires it in the air, and everyone's. I do like how even in situations where. Again, this isn't 2021 where people would just point their gun at everyone you know, for the sake of doing it, just to prove I've got yeah. a gun, I can kill you. And here they're like, hey, put that away. This isn't what we're doing here. Yeah, it's like literally everyone, like the the guys for, from Free World and like their group, they were just like this. Relax, buddy. <laughs> yeah, like you could tell that most of them probably have guns or have access to guns, could get a gun right now if they need it. Yeah. But they're all just like, no. I mean, you know, I just like the respect that they give each other that we're at least just going to beat each other up. We're not going to, you know, kill each other. Some old school style thinking. It's like hockey. Yes. But he does put the gun away. And of course, because he's Cheddar Bob, he shoots himself. I think in the leg. They keep saying in the dick, but I think it's in the leg. Um, yeah. And is rushed to the hospital. And for a little bit, he feels all ashamed of like what he did, and, and he feels like a fool. And this is where we get, I guess, some of the moments of humanity for this character, where he explains it's just like, yeah, he is kind of a fuck up. He at least knows it, but he's just weirdly, cheerfully optimistic about everything. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, Cheddar Bob is a weird enigma to me. We get this little rap rap scene at the uh, food truck with Exhibit. <laughs> How'd you feel about that? I didn't know Exhibit was going to pop up in here. Yeah, that was surprising. Uh, um, a lot of homophobic language here, too. I think Exhibit won that rap battle, by the way. I, You know what? I will say Eminem's in about like four rap battles total in this movie that he actually participates in. Um, and I think he loses two of them. We'll talk about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. Yep. I, starting with this one, I think he doesn't rap as well in this food truck scene as Exhibit does. But Eminem and Brittany Murphy do have sex at that car factory in a very romantic scene. <laughs> I don't like this dynamic. And, and like, no. we find out why later. I don't like it as much, but it's really just like, I don't know. It, it feels very gross to me, the whole thing. They're both, both characters and the actions they take from here on out are both really sleazy and, and makes me dislike both yeah. of them a little. Like, just the fact that, yeah, she's having, one, first of all, did not appear to have a condom and he just had a pregnancy scare. So I don't know what he's doing, exactly. but the fact that he does have sex with her in the middle of the car factory, he's met her maybe two or three times, right? They've been, they've seen each other two or three times. Yeah. Well, you know, and even beyond that, like you want to have sex with someone you just met, you're an adult. Fine. First of all, use protection. Second of all, don't do it at work, man, where you're like begging to be seen as more respectable as like, so you want more work. This is like basically the only thing keeping you from the edge and like you risk it by having sex at work that's insane to me that that sure that's what i was worried about in the entire scene i was like their boss might catch them yeah and and again yeah of course you're an adult you want to bang someone first day you meet him absolutely but the fact that he then takes this as i don't know if he seems to think that they're now in a like a committed relationship but then his weird lash out at like her for talking to other people i don't know you know what i mean there's or there's been no we've we haven't seen any of them their discussions about what they are or if they're dating or if this was just a we're gonna fuck at a car factory day yeah exactly i and you know one of the things we've kind of glossed over is that her and wink also know each other wink is like promising to connect her to people to get her modeling career off which of course what we know about wink is like 
this is probably bullshit. Yes. And then what we can also assume from Alex, which we later confirm, is that, yes, she's also having sex with Wink just to get these opportunities. Yeah. It just makes this character, <laughs> again, It's she's played by Brittany Murphy, so there's this light and energy, and like you almost are kind of automatically gravitated toward her just because she's Brittany Murphy. But at the same time, the character is written so like, I don't want to say scuzzy, but it's just like, oh man, what? how am I supposed to like this character? This movie doesn't really have a positive view towards women in general, whether it be the mom or the ex-girlfriend or the new girlfriend. I don't think there's a single woman in this, except maybe the woman at the food truck. Um, I don't think there's a single woman in this who's really portrayed as a positive character. The little girl, that's it. Sure. Yeah, it does not pass the Bechdel test from, no, it from memory. No, it does not. Wink eventually comes to Jimmy saying that he might have a shot to pitch a demo for a producer. So, you know, get your shit together, get some songs, and we'll get you some studio time. So he starts writing songs. This is where we get, yeah, a little bit more of the <laughs> lose yourself as it's being written. I think it's the next day or very soon after he wakes up on the couch to Michael Shannon just staring at him, which would I would piss my pants. <laughs> what do you know about this eviction letter? Hey, what do you know about this eviction letter? Yeah, holds up the You're eviction drunk, letter because the mom did not want to tell uh, Greg this because she feared that if he found out that he would leave. And that's kind of uh, that's the deal. Yeah, he's uh, he's that was be spot leaving. on. He, yep. he was like, I don't fucking need this. Yeah, he pushes Stephanie pretty hard into the table, and that's when Jimmy like springs on him, delivers a few punches. You know, through some movie magic, it's a good fight where we, you know, Shannon gets his butt kicked, but in any sort of real reality... Michael Shannon kills you with his eyes. <laughs> yeah, and if not, when he stands up, and he's legit a full foot taller than Eminem. Yeah, he's He even huge. fucking hits his head on the way as he's walking out the door to the trailer because he's so giant. It's yeah. Funny, uh, but yeah, doesn't deliver a single hit. He just walks out, leaves. And he has left for good. His mom, of course, you know, blames Jimmy. They have this huge blowout where she kicks him out. He does manage to get his uh, little sister over to a neighbor's house, I guess. This is maybe happens often well, enough. Where she just... Yeah, well, his mom sobers up. Yeah. And so Jimmy heads to the record label so that he can record his demo. Uh, as he's walking through the studio, though, he does find Wink and Alex having sex in one of the booths. Because this yeah. woman hates beds, you know. Not gonna. It's public or not gonna not. go. Yeah, not gonna go home to have sex. That's insane. And if you are wink and you know Jimmy's coming, why are you having sex with Alex? What are you <laughs> like, doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Wait until it's done. I don't know, man. I mean, it's just maybe it was super early. I just was. I was blown away that he'd have the audacity to do this. But then the fact that Jimmy yeah, bursts in. While this like interviews going on in the next door, so it's all like soundproof and whatnot, he bursts in, beats this shit out of Wink, rips him out, uh, presumably still hard. <laughs> I would assume this this yeah. entire fight happens with this man full erection. Oh boy. And yeah, then we've got poor like Brittany Murphy screaming like, "Stop! Don't do this!" And then it's but it's like, yeah, you've had sex with him once. Yes, I understand your friend is betraying you. Yeah, but at the same time, like you're you aren't dating her. Like I just don't understand. This reaction, <laughs> as violent as it is, I, th I, I, think I don't know. He's just had a rough week. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. Like, I, 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 it's all point. contextual at this point. It's like, yes, like, I, like we do, they've known each other for three days, had sex one time, and like, I, 
it, it, it does seem like a bit of an overreaction, but you also got to remember he just had a fight with Michael Shannon. He just had a fight with his mom. He just had a fight with future because he, at one point we, we glossed over this too. future reveals that he signed rabbit up for the next rap battle. And you know, rabbit is all pissed off Jimmy and he ends up taking Wink's side in an argument. So him and future have had a fight. So at this point he's, you know, He's had it out with almost everybody. Yeah, and Wink has also mentioned several times that, you know, Alex is really into you and all this shit, and you should go mm. after her. So I, 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 it, I suppose it makes sense more so after realizing just, you know, what a shit go of it he's, he's had. Yeah, so I, I can understand his frustration. And when he does finally get back home, he is jumped, essentially. He, he arrives home, um, the leaders of the free world just kick the shit out of him, really. They, they don't take yeah, it as far. Because they, they pull up with Wink. Yes, they pull up with Wink, who's just been, you know, obviously beating the shit out of as well. He gets a few licks in, and it ends with um, them almost, like uh, Papa Doc taking a gun out, putting it to his face, and Wink convincing him not to kill him. He, I, I Knowing what you know about Papa Doc later towards the end of the movie, he was pretty sure that he wouldn't have done that. It was most likely just basically just a power move type of deal. Yeah. but Because he does say, yeah, I could end your shit now, but he doesn't. That next morning, his mom comes home. She finds him all, you know, beaten and bruised. And she looks to be kind of pulled together. Uh, she doesn't look as haggard as she's looked the rest of the film. She's got, even a, bag got a little makeup groceries. on. Got a bag of groceries, man. And yeah, she's got some money. Apparently, she fucking won bingo. <laughs> this is the most upset I, I got in the movie, honestly. Like, it literally is. She ended up winning like $3,200 at bingo. And it's like, okay, well, you got it. Congratulations. You found a temporary solution to your problem. And like, this is the last you see the mom assumed her like deus ex machina happy ending. It like, it, it, it comes out of nowhere. It's an act of God. And like in the long run, I mean, this is why like a sequel confuses me because like it, 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 there's no implication that it's going to get better. Like you just have to like think of it based on faith that like, okay, things get turned around for this character. There's no implication that other than she's not getting evicted this month, that she's not going to get evicted next month. Cause she's still without a job. She's still an alcoholic. She's three months behind on rent. And I, I'd imagine that the trailer park isn't high rent, but okay. Like you've bought yourself what another like two months of time. They're just going to be in this exact same shit that they're going to be in next month. So I like I don't see this as the happy ending that it's implied to be. And that's the thing is I don't know if we're meant to think it's all that happy because again it is it's also rewarding her bad behavior by going back to bingo to be like oh yeah that actually worked. <laughs> yeah, it's it's if if anything you're right it might not be implied to be a happy ending it might be implied to be a vicious cycle because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, and we'll get into the like the very literally like the last shots of the movie which I think honestly perpetuate that very notion like yeah. again this is a movie that doesn't end with him getting a record label and going like driving off no. to the big city no he goes he goes back to work <laughs> exactly just goes back to work so uh not to spoil things too quickly but we are yeah. wrapping up here pretty quickly because again most of the the climax here which we're getting into is just rap battles <laughs> yeah of which again he does three of them and i think he loses the i think he loses in the second round 
Yes, yes, I'll agree. So, so before we get there, he so he does uh, things start to turn around. It it seems like this one little act of luck is somehow just kind of changing, you know, a little bit their their entire vibe. Like he is working harder at the job. His boss has taken notice, so he's like, "Hey, if you want those extra shifts, I'll give you them. Uh, I need someone tonight." <laughs> and so he accepts because he doesn't want to, you know, piss off his boss. He gets one of his uh, coworkers to eventually cover for him when Alex comes to say goodbye. Yeah. I again I, I I don't have any respect for this character so it it's hard for me to bring, get any emotion out of this at this point I, and and I don't like I and I blame the script for that I don't think that they wrote this character very like to have any sort of redeeming quality so it, it like it's you know it's nobody's fault but the scripts that I that I just don't get anything from this like I don't get his emotional attachment to her because again this takes course over the span of a week so it it i don't know it, it, there's no there's no realistic grounds for them to develop any sort of romantic chemistry in that short of a time frame where like they can have sex one day she can cheat on him the next and then they're like turns his life around a minute later. It's just not grounded in reality. He's kind of starting off in the same spot he was in the beginning that he is at the end. And I know that's a little the same, like the point of the movie, but at the same time, he's now, you know, at least trying and has taken that first step to becoming, realizing his potential as a rapper. But at the same time, it's like, she doesn't really affect the plot all that much, except for these like random asides with her character. I don't know. I, I don't know. Again, like you said, doesn't pass the Bechdel test. Um, it's a rough character. I, there's just no getting around it. Like it, it's one of the worst female characters we've seen on this show in a long time. Yeah, yeah, and it's unfortunate. And also just because I, I miss Brittany Murphy so much. So any yeah. any movie that we get with her, I'm just like, ah, damn it! It's so nice to see her, even though this character is like kind of reprehensible yeah. at times. Yeah. But after she does leave, he decides, you know what? I am gonna do this. So he asks his coworker to cover for him for a few hours while he goes to the shelter uh, to perform. So he gets to the venue and basically yeah the climax of this is a series it's like <laughs> video game levels where you got to get to the, the top boss at the end yeah um which of course is papa doc so he starts battling uh the members of the free world crew and the first battle against uh lickety split is a unanimous win for jimmy first off i don't even know if this one he wins i'd say they're pretty comparable and I think maybe it's just that we're supposed to maybe get the understanding that the the crowd is is energized by a different like style or maybe like his voice because it's a little different because again yeah. he is the one white guy doing this but at the same time it's like I don't want to I don't want to think that yeah or that you know this crowd remembers him as the dude who choked last week and yes. like it just turns out like oh no he can do this yeah so maybe um, so maybe think, maybe they're more kind to him for that. Yeah. yeah. The second round, I think like he goes up against this guy that sounds like DMX, and I think he gets his ass kicked in this round. Lotto, yeah, I do think Lotto is a little better than him for sure. He has one his last line, which is which is after because again they all get forty five seconds to rap. His last line that is yeah. after the clocks run out is a pretty good one, and it seems like that's what wins him it. But it's like all right. The tail end of it is pretty good, but I think body of work, I'm going Lotto. <laughs> Either way, though, it does culminate with him advancing to the final round, uh, the battle with Papa Doc. This is the first time that Papa Doc, though, does decide, you know what, he's going to go first because we've been watching the same like pattern, like these guys will go first and then he'll be able to kind of rebuttal with basically saying that like you guys are all saying the same stuff yeah i get it i'm white 
Big mistake. Huge. Because he, he does. He, like, he cuts him off by going first. He basically just says everything that he knows Anthony Mackie is going to say. Yeah. And so it, it leads Anthony Mackie to just freeze up like he, he chokes, which is upsetting because I really wanted to hear Anthony Mackie rap. But uh, there's one, I think maybe 10 seconds of him rapping at the very start of the movie when we see, as we're introducing the shelter, I think he's one of the first rappers we see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to see so much more of Anthony Mackie rapping. Yeah, I did too. I wanted to see more of him in this movie in general. Same. But, he's I mean, good. He's good in the little moments he's, he's, he's in. Yeah. very, very good. But, but again, it, he was a newcomer. I like this. It, it's honestly like a the way it's shot too. There's especially a shot where you know he does the everybody from the three one three put your motherfucking hands up, follow me type deal, and the, just the see the crowd of these people. Yeah. It, it's a it's really well shot. We haven't talked about the style of this movie, but it is it's handheld but not shaky. You you always it, there's a clarity to it. It just kind of adds a little grit to the story without it coming across as like. Mm-hmm. Um, ugly, you know what I mean? Like I really like this this world and how they they sh- yeah. they show it. And, and in these this, the scenes with inside the um, the shelter here, there's like a weird like a green tinge to the light. It looks like kind of yeah, it looks kind of gross and crummy, but honestly, pretty cinematic when he gets in here at this this final battle. And yeah, so he just goes in, kind of preempts all of Papa Doc's potential insults, letting everyone know, yeah, I get it. I'm white trash. I'm a fucking bum. You fucked my girl. I got beat the shit out of by all you guys, but I'm still here doing all this shit. Anyway, he does win. Papa Doc gives the mic back to future, basically just uh, conceding the battle. So he's congratulated by everyone outside after he wins. He does see Alex in the crowd, gives her one last middle finger on his way out. And then, yeah, everyone's like, all right, where are we going? Let's go party. And he's like, yeah, got to go back to work. Got to go back to work. And he does. Yeah, and as he's walking away, we finally get the uh, opening chords of Lose Yourself as it plays yeah. through the titles. Yeah, and, you know, worth sitting through the entire end credits for. Oh, for sure. Um, Great song. Still holds up. Mom Spaghetti. Yeah, holds up. Knees weak, Mom Spaghetti. <laughs> he's nervous, but on the surface, he's got Mom Spaghetti. <laughs> God damn it. But I got to say, I really yeah. love this ending. I, I like the way that you, you're right. It is. It's a sad ending. It's it's triumphant and also very sad, dude, to just realize that, like, he's just going back to his shitty job at the factory. Nothing's going to change for him tomorrow. It Maybe over time, if he keeps at it, maybe things will go in a positive direction. But this is his life and this is how people have to live. Yeah, it's it's very much it. You know, they do leave it open ended for you to just kind of assume like, no, like eventually he gets, you know, he's he's taking that first step where he's getting accepted by the very small rap community in Detroit and like maybe he gets that next step but like they don't you know but they have no illusions to like oh like you had one good night your life's changing forever like no he's you know he's got to go sleep at the trailer park tonight he's got to go work first like so it's not like you know it's not like a very overly optimistic. It does leave that room for you to use your imagination and assume that his life gets better. But yeah. they also give you reason to believe that it doesn't. Yeah, maybe he'll go on to become a left-handed boxer and get trained by Forrest Whitaker. I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> well, let's talk about yeah, the movie itself, man. I mm-hmm. I got to say, I think it, it holds up. I think it was a compelling, it's a compelling slice of life that you know you don't see too often. I think it really is helped by 
Curtis Hansen's direction. I think if this is, was directed by another person, maybe even like a music video director, which I could see the studio yeah. gearing, like going toward, Ugh. this could have been a train wreck. <laughs> but yeah, it really could have. I don't think it's exploiting Eminem's fan base or the communities it represents. I won't go as far as to say it's overly authentic, um, but it, it does feel like a solid representation of not only like lower working class life, but de- just Detroit itself, like the city itself. I think it showcases, you know, like, the mundane jobs, these factory workers, the difficult home lives, but also, as mentioned before, yeah, like the good times, people chilling in cars, hanging with friends, Uh, but mostly important, just that struggle to actually chase your dream, to commit to doing it. Um, There are some scenes I can do without some characters I'm not all that fond of, and unfortunately, a lot of that like homophobic and racist language, that was very prevalent then, Uh, so it does feel true to the story, even if it comes off a bit excessive now. And I do think, like, largely, it, it goes without saying, I think Eminem's pretty good in this movie. There are, there's a couple moments where it's, I wouldn't say cringy, but just a couple moments where it, it doesn't mm. quite come off as, as smooth as I'd like, maybe. He's not super great at changing his facial expressions. There, yes, I will say he's pretty good in the, like, the, the emotional scenes where he has to yell and there's, like, blow-ups or he's, like, fighting with someone. I think he's pretty good there. And, of course, the rapping scenes. But, yeah, some of the more... Um, like Eminem just trying to be a normal guy hanging out with his friends sometimes comes off a bit stilted I'll say yeah uh, but again I do think the characters feel pretty decent for the most part again some of them Cheddar Bob in particular <laughs> not a fan of but I gotta say yeah if you're if you were a fan of Eminem at all like and if, if you've somehow never seen this movie definitely definitely give it a watch mm-hmm. if you're not a fan of rap or Eminem in general I can't see this turning your mind <laughs> or changing your mind rather it is what it is, and I do think it's kind of um, a nice little time capsule of early 2000s. What did it have, 75 on Rotten Tomatoes? I honestly think that's yeah. pretty right on. I'd say this is a three out of a four-star movie. So, yeah, I'm going to match it, 73, 75, right in there. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with everything you just said, pretty much. Um, Eminem is surprisingly good in this movie, minus just like a couple of scenes. Um, I, I do agree that um, there are a few instances of melodrama that are kind of eye rolling, especially when, you know, the home life scenes and like the weird relationship that he has with this, with this, uh, girl. Um, but other than that, I, I, I really was struck by just the, the capture of the time period and the capture of, you know, inner city Detroit and, something that I think that they were going to build on a little bit, they could have built on a little bit more, but you know, maybe just because their main character was white, they stayed away from it was that divide that eight mile represents between the African American community of Detroit and the white community in Detroit. Um, They, they touch on it a little bit, um, but kind of, kind of stay away from it a little bit more than I would have thought they would have. Um, I did think that this movie was going to go in a completely different direction of a white rapper struggled to be accepted as a white rapper. And that wasn't the case. And so I appreciated that, that it was more of just like a struggle for everybody. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just that struggle of like, no, everybody here has got a shitty job. Everybody here has got a shitty home life. Um, and I and I appreciate the fact that it doesn't end in a fairy tale. I like that it does end with sort of that pessimism because that's not you know one good night at a <laughs> at a small rap venue is not going to change your life. It just it just won't like. And I do I do like the growth 
but I do also like that it do- does leave that room of like this doesn't you know this isn't where the change starts yeah i i thought it was spectacular though i i really did um i i agree with you i think if there was any other person directing it um it could have been disastrous monstrous and if it had been about you know him becoming a boxer at the end i think it could have been horrible but it's not and it's good and i think that if you are nostalgic about it absolutely give it a watch it's amazing it's it's good it's exactly how you remember it. If you haven't seen it, I'd give it a watch too because I I really does like I th- I think it captures sort of that picture of how difficult it can be sometimes to live in a city like that or even the country. So, um yeah, I'm going to give it an 80. Uh, I I thought it was pretty good. I thought everybody in it gave a generally good performance even Eminem. Um where it has room to grow is that you know first of all i think it's a little long um second uh none of the female characters are that good in this movie so i you know there were places where it could have improved on but overall i think it is a pretty good movie yeah plus it's got michael shannon it's got michael shannon yeah which and if you don't like michael shannon fuck you Nice. Well, no Michael Shannon next week, sadly. But did you watch no. anything with Michael Shannon over the last uh, week? Ah, oh, man, if I only. wish I had. I wish I had watched Michael Shannon stuff. Um, no, I I only watched a couple of things that have already been out for a while. Um, I watched Nobody. Um, oh, thank yeah. you, Brandon, for that. That's yeah. a solid movie. Yeah, that's um, fun. Yeah, made me. You know, I really needed to see some Bob Odenkirk after his freaking health scare. Whew, yeah, glad um, he's back. Glad yeah, he's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, we ended up losing Norm Macdonald, so that sucks. But, Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, so I watched that. That's great. Watch that if you haven't seen it. If you like the John Wick movies, I mean, it is of that ilk. Obviously, written by one of the John Wick guys. Yep. Um, and then I also watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Very good movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Again, movies that have been out for a while, but I had an opportunity to catch up on a little bit at the gym. So there you go. Yep, there we go. Nice. Yeah, the only one I watched uh, last week was James Wan's new movie, Malignant. Oh, yeah, how's that? Dude, I, I'm i telling people, like, watch this movie. Really? I don't, yeah, I don't, because the guy, of course, did, yeah, first Saw movie, he started the Insidious and Conjuring franchises, and then he went to do, like, Furious 7 and Aquaman, and now he's coming back to horror movies, and it seems as though Warner Brothers was just, like, literally do whatever the fuck you want for, like, $10 million, and he, like, it is one of the, again, I'd say the first, like, hour of the movie, you're gonna be like, okay, this is, like, kind of like a weird supernatural, like, slasher haunting movie, maybe, I guess, Mm -hmm. but when it reveals, like, what's going on, dude, it's one of the most bonkers fucking, like, twists, and and not even, even if you see where it's going, the visual representation of what's happening is just so (laughs) off-the-wall nuts that you, like, people who see horror movies, especially, like, a shit ton of year and just realize how samey they all are, and this one's different. (laughs) This one truly is different. So, yeah, I'd say give it a watch. Yeah. Good to know. It's pretty dumb. It's pretty dumb. Awesome. Dumb and You Loved It might be a good way to segue into what we're watching next week. Because first off, it's a movie I haven't seen. But from the reviews and, and the kind of the, Blows the my general mind. consensus. I, I know. The general consensus is kind of a, it's a dumb, but I love it movie. This is such a Brandon movie. So when Brandon told me he hadn't seen it, I I, I can't freaking believe it. It's on Netflix if you want to watch it with us. 
we are watching Mars Attacks. Mars Attacks, 1996. This will be our, I think, third Tim Burton movie because we did Sleepy Hollow and we did the Planet of the Apes one, the remake. Yep. Yeah. So glad to get some more Burton. And yeah, a movie that for some reason has just always passed me by. I've seen a couple clips here and there. I'd seen maybe one or two scenes on TV as I was flicking through, but have never watched this front to back. So I'm I'm curious to finally give it a watch. It is. I, I, you know what? I'm just going to let you watch it. I can't wait. I think, I think you're going to like it. Um, I'll be surprised. I mean, I, you know what? It's been a long time since I've seen it too, so it could suck, (laughs) but I think it'll suck in a way that'll make both of us laugh. Nice. All right. Well, yeah, it is. It is currently streaming on Netflix. If you want to give that a watch beforehand. And if you want to check out any of our other episodes, you can check us out on Podbean, where we are originally hosted. Uh, that's nbd.podbean.com. But you can find us wherever you download podcasts. Just search Nostalgia Be Damned. Uh, damned? Damned. We're there. Damned. Damned. <laughs> it's about Julie um, Dent. Uh, Dame Julie yeah. De- Judy Dent. Yeah, yeah, check out our spinoff podcast. <laughs> Nostalgia, Nostalgia Be damned. damned, where we just talk about Dame Judy Dench. Nice. Um, so you can also follow us on any freaking social media site. Don't follow us on Facebook because we don't give a shit about Facebook, but please do follow us on Instagram and Twitter. You can also write us an email at nostalgiabedamnedpod at gmail.com where we take requests, we answer questions, or you can write us hate mail. That's fine. Ooh, yeah. I would. I Honestly, I'd, I'd dig some hate I'd mail. I'd be down for yeah. some hate mail. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. been a while since we've gotten hate mail. <laughs> Good old hate mail. Well, thank yeah. you for listening, everyone. Again, send in that love or hate mail, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Thanks for sticking with us. Bye. His, his palms are sweaty. Knees weak. Palms Knees are sweaty. Weak, arms are heavy. Mom spaghetti. Go look up a YouTube video of that song, but it's just palms are sweaty. It's hilarious. <laughs> 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 <laughs>